I do blame the department. People were still coming in sick. They weren't sending them home. They weren't giving them the proper um, PPE. Before my dad passed away, it was 11 people that died from it in, his, in just his department. They, they, weren't, they weren't taking anybody to the hospital unless we were in dire need. Even though he felt like he was in dire need because he couldn't breathe and stuff like that. You could just see the, the difference in how they treat um, black people and how they treat um, white people. It's just, it's just a, their tone is a little bit different. Like doctors and um, nurses are like how the cops are to um, black men. They're like that to the black woman. COVID-19 doesn't discriminate, but is infecting a society that does. According to data, the African-American community is being disproportionately affected by this disease. In this episode of The Kids Are All Right, we follow the story of a black COVID-19 survivor, 34-year-old Shakira Pinkney. I couldn't walk across the room without getting out of breath. So going to the restroom from the living room to my bedroom, I would a lot of times, once I made it to my bedroom, I had to lay down on my bed just to catch my breath. Hear from senior editor and writer for the CNN Health Department, Maggie Fox. This is a virus that is not going to hit people equally, and that is very worrying to me. Trauma ICU nurse, Shoni Roll. The impact on African Americans with COVID isn't being shared as thoroughly as it could. And Alyssa Pat, the daughter of a COVID-19 victim. I had to wait a whole month before I buried my dad. It was just the waiting was killing me. I got COVID from when I went on a family trip to uh, Pigeon Forge, and there was one place in particular that we went. We didn't really go anywhere outside of our cabin, but we did go to this one place called Wonderworks, and it was full of people, and nobody had on a mask. I'm here just around town in Nashville. I make sure I keep my mask on, and I think I probably, you know, just got a little bit too relaxed while I was on um, vacation with my family. So he had a fever for um a long time. So from the day he from the first day he got sick, um, his fever was high. And he had a fever for about three three days, three to four days. And um after that the fever went away, but then he had the other symptoms like he had shortness of breath, the coughing, and then like it it was just alternating. So like the coughing and the shortness of breath went away, but then the fever came back. Okay, so he had got, like, he started showing signs, and um, they didn't, they didn't grant him a, because this was earlier when um, the corona first came out, honestly. So you had to wait, like, a week or two before you got tested. So he started showing signs, and, like, we kind of knew before he got tested, then he got tested, like, a week later, a week and a half later, and then he tested positive. It's not even a socioeconomic thing. There's a lot of disparities and a lot of prejudice and poor treatment built into our healthcare system that leaves African-Americans with the short end of the stick. And that's going to be multiplied times a thousand in something like a pandemic. So I went to my PCP for regular appointment and just to get my regular blood work done, which the interesting thing about that appointment is that I lay 
know about my symptoms, you know, let them know that also I have cousins who had just tested, just as Dr. test results the day before, who I was with that weekend and her test results were positive. I let him know all of that and that I was feeling weak, really tired, and my body was pulling really achy. And he just said, you know, he just busted out and me um, being overwhelmed and burnt out because I do have a special needs child and I am a single parent, but that was not the case. So the next day after my doctor's appointment, I was still feeling bad and I went to the actual hospital and um, let them know that, you know, I don't know how I was feeling, which I was achy, um, weak, tired. At that point, that's all I was, and I had a slight fever. And at that point, that's all that was going on with me. And then they tested me, which said testing process. And I had an inhaler that was prescribed to me at the hospital when I went to go get tested. I had an inhaler and a prescription medicine for the coughing, because I had started coughing at that point really bad. And um, I just took those, but I was really weak. I couldn't walk across the room without getting out of breath. So going to the restroom from the living room to my bedroom, I would a lot of times, once I made it to my bedroom, I had to lay down on my bed just to catch my breath and then um, get up again just to go to the bathroom in my bedroom and then sit down again to catch my breath again before I walked to the living room. I can't blame her season for me catching the virus. I feel like though, I do feel like the treatment, you know, the delay in treatment, racism played a role in that. So like, I remember when my dad, when he, when he, right when he first got sick, he had called the ambulance to come get him because he really wasn't um, doing too well. And they told him like, we can't, we can't take you. They, they, weren't, they weren't taking anybody to the hospital unless you we were in dire need. Even though he felt like he was in dieting because he couldn't breathe and stuff like that, if you were able to call the ambulance by yourself, they weren't taking you. There are, you know, uh, fewer fewer ways to contact the population. They're more cut off. They've got fewer services. They have less access to health care in general. And of course, other studies have shown that even when African Americans are are of similar high economic status to their uh, non-African American neighbors, they still get worse health care. As a black person, you have to really push, take the proper, you know, to give you the proper test that you need done. Just, just want to do the stuff that I know that is done so easily for white people without, you know, that they're just, they don't hesitate to do it. We're more than likely turned away for testing of COVID, like our symptoms aren't taken as seriously, or, you know, we're believed to have a higher pain tolerance. But yeah, our, we're not taking it seriously in the healthcare system, which is why um, there are so many of us dying from this disease. You could just kind of like, um, even when I was pregnant, um, and I go to um, the doctor, the way they, you could just see the, the difference in how they treat um, black people and how they treat um, white people. It's just, it's just a, their tone is a little bit different than how they, um, how they act towards you guys. Well, to us. 
Well, I, I, I also feel like they try to force, um, force certain things on us. So, like, after I gave birth, they try to force, like, um, birth control. So I just felt like it was really forcing that on me. And from what I've heard also is that, um, like, doctors and um, nurses are like how the cops are to um, black men. They're like that to the black woman. The impact on African Americans with COVID isn't being shared as thoroughly as it could. Because even me as a healthcare professional, when I heard that African Americans and women with COVID, I thought that we were more, we were just more, you know, likely to um, contract the virus. However, I don't think the quality of our healthcare and health disparities are discussed in full to allow people to understand why that may be so. For example, over here in the U.S., healthcare is very expensive, you know, so for you to keep up on your health and to know what diseases you have or to know what you don't have or just the standing of your health in general, that takes money. That takes insurance money or that takes out-of-pocket money. That takes time. And a lot of people in the minority group um, with African-Americans being within that group, they may not benefit from that um, service for whatever reason. So they, at times, are not aware of what diseases they may have um, because we don't, you know, follow up as much as we should. It may be expensive, you know. Finance was a concern even before COVID. Persons without insurance may not go and check up and, and have a physical done and determine that their cholesterol are high or that they they have a higher blood pressure than normal and need to work on So... I, if I, in my mindset, I would particularly, you know, inform people, especially those who were not participating in annuals and physicals, to go and be sure and to determine your health status, to put you more at a better standing to fight the virus if you contract it. Why or what that meant entirely. Um, but now working with um, more of an African-American population here in Florida, I sort of realized that there are predisposing factors, um, not so much for, you know, contracting COVID, but to determine your prognosis and how well or how not well the virus will do with you. And those sort of things would be what we would call other health issues. Um, for example, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, obesity, or any other illness um, seems to have a major impact in the way that COVID um, responds in a person. Um, so that's my understanding from it. It's the fact that African-Americans, you know, we have um, predisposing factors due to diet or hereditary um, for diseases such as high blood pressure, heart disease, or, and even diabetes. So these complicate the virus, and I've seen that make it even worse. The Latino community and the African-American community tend to be hit, hit harder by the economic 
consequences of this pandemic. These are people who are more likely to have jobs that don't give them paid time off. These are the people who are most likely to be unemployed because they don't have the white collar jobs that someone like I have. I can work from home and do what I do from home. And so I'm not unemployed. Um, If you have to go to work to do your job every day and your workplace has been closed down, you're in deep trouble. He worked for the NYPD traffic enforcement for um, a little over 20 years. They made my dad a whole like book. Um, they gave, they invited me, my sisters and my um, uncle to like this. Um, they paid tribute to him. Like they, they did, it, they were very comforting. I'm not going to lie about that. Do blame the department because um, people were still coming in sick. They weren't sending them home. They weren't giving them the proper um, PPE. And they, my dad's whole department, it was, when I, before my dad passed away, it was 11 people that died from it in, his, in just his department. Now, I don't even know the number, but that was over two months ago. I did tell him that I feel like um, both him and my mom, because my mom's immune system is compromised. And I expressed to them, like, you know, maybe you guys should just take like a leave of absence. They, they couldn't even do it. Both their jobs, um, you couldn't do it right now. The hospital, unless you're on your, like, almost deathbed, they wasn't letting you stay there. I can't really say if they, they they tried their hardest or if they just like, you know, because I really wasn't there. They, they kind of wasn't really vocal on everything, if you know what I mean. Like they they told us what was going on, but I don't I was I couldn't be there physically because of the corona. So it really was just him and basing um, what they was telling. The conversations were a little brief, but um, he was just telling like he ate and how they were lowering his oxygen because he was getting better. That's the thing too, like last time I spoke to my dad before he passed, um, we had a conversation and he told me he was doing better. He was like, they lowered his oxygen, you know, he's feeling much better. And I guess later on that night, they put him on a ventilator and um, he was only on the ventilator. He was supposedly doing much better. And he was only on the ventilator for two days and then he passed away. I felt like I, I like there was a hole in my heart. I'm taking it day by day, so every day is different. The first few days, it was a numb feeling. And Days after that, it was just terrible. But, and, and, and also because I had to wait a whole month before I buried my dad, it was just the waiting was killing me. I, I, this virus is just such a confusing thing. In the beginning, they were saying that black people couldn't get it. Then they were saying only old people were dying from it. Then they were saying that if your immune system is um compromised, that you would die from it. So it's, it's, I can't, I really, I really don't know, but I know that they're saying that it's high in the, um, the black community. So it could be 
that the, 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 the doctors and nurses aren't really giving the best care that they can. But again, like I said, the, the virus is so, it's so confusing. It's like, can you blame the medical field when they don't even really know how to, how to stop or, um, stop the spread or how to really attack, you know what I'm saying? Like how to really treat the virus. So can you really blame them? The reporting for this episode was done by Sage Silberman of the Chadwick School and edited by Ariel Boleg at Podium.me.